This audio sermon is brought to you by the House of Intercessory Prayer Ministries. For more information, please visit www.hipm.org. Last few weeks, God has been speaking to us from Isaiah chapter 55. So if you can just turn with me to Isaiah chapter 55 as we try to stay there today. So as we saw this chapter from the beginning in Isaiah 55, first of all we saw God called those who are thirst to come to the waters. Then he called those who do not have money, they can come and eat, buy and eat wine and milk for free. That means the blessings that God is giving us when we seek after him and they are free of cost because God is, Christ has already paid for it. And then we saw, he said, not to spend money for what is not bread. People today end up in spending money for various things, thinking that they will give them life. But then God is telling them, reminding them, saying that, do not spend money, do not waste your money. Then we talked about the sure mercies of David. How God brought him up from the lowest situation in his life and he brought him up and he lifted him up to the throne to rule the nation. We talked about it. And then we saw God said very clearly to all of us that his thoughts and his ways are higher than our thoughts and our ways. As high as the heavens from the earth. And last week, God spoke to us about his word, not returning void, without accomplishing the purpose for which it was sent. And we found out the reasons why God's word is so powerful. The number one reason we talked about was God's word is living and powerful. God's word is alive and it is powerful. Number two reason, God's word will produce results. Like a seed as it is sown in the ground, God's word has an inherent ability to bring results. And thirdly, we saw the immutability nature of God's word. God's word, as God doesn't change, his words don't change. Then we saw the eternal nature of God and his word. Word of God is eternal. As God reminds forever, his words will also remain forever. And today, we are at the end of chapter 55. So let's read a couple of scriptures there. Isaiah chapter 55 verses 12 and 13. Verse 12 says, For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. That shall not be cut off. Now I want to draw your attention to the revelation I got from these scriptures. To make this a little easy, you know, I just want to take you, divide my sermon into a few sections so that it will be easy for you to understand. So let me start with an introduction to this passage. 
I want you to come along with me to understand it better. When Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand, the Pharisees asked him when the kingdom of God would come. Jesus was preaching about kingdom of God. Even before Jesus, John the Baptist was preaching about the kingdom of God. The Pharisees asked Jesus, Lord, when the kingdom of God would come? And Jesus answered in Luke 17, verses 20 to 21, Jesus said, Now, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. In other words, the kingdom of God cannot be detected by visible signs. You will not see the kingdom of God. Verse 21 says, Nor will they say, See here or see there for the kingdom of God. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. That's what Jesus told to the Pharisees. You know, it was so difficult for people to understand, especially for Pharisees from their you know, background. If you understand, it's very difficult when Jesus said, kingdom of God is within you. What exactly he was trying to say? You know, I believe the kingdom of, I believe since the time of John the Baptist started preaching the kingdom of God. If you remember, he preached saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Kingdom of God was there when he started preaching. Now, I tend to believe the very birth of our Lord Jesus Christ brought the kingdom of God to this earth. When Jesus was born, you know, that brought the kingdom of heaven, or we call it as kingdom of God. It's a different representation in different gospels to this earth. That's the reason John the Baptist said, repent and be baptized. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And if you remember, John the Baptist is just the forerunner of Jesus Christ. When John was alive, Jesus was there already. So kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus you know, made it more clear when Pharisees asked him, Jesus told, kingdom of God is within you. In other words, kingdom of God is it's in the midst of you. It is already here. Probably you can assume that Jesus was referring to himself. He's already there. But then those who accept Jesus Christ, they are having the kingdom of God within them. Even today, if someone asks, where is the kingdom of God? We are not going to find out kingdom of God is here or there, somebody, somewhere, but we are going to say the kingdom of God is already within me. Now, if you remember the book of Daniel, we are living in the last few days of the extension of the Roman kingdom. Now, Daniel, in his vision, he saw different kingdoms. And the last kingdom he saw was the Roman kingdom. And we believe we're still living in the extension of the Roman kingdom. But one day, all the kingdoms of this earth is going to go away. And Jesus Christ is going to come and he's going to establish his eternal kingdom. Now, before the eternal kingdom starts, Jesus is going to establish his kingdom on this earth for a thousand years. We call that as a millennial reign of our Lord Jesus Christ. The next thing which, was happened, which is about to happen is the rapture. 
The, the secret coming of the Lord. When God wants to take the church away so that the church will not go through the tribulation. Then comes the seven years of tribulation. And immediately after the seven years of tribulation, the thousand years of reign of Lord Jesus Christ is going to start on those years. You know, some point of time later when people spoke about the coming of the Lord and the thousand years reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, it all appears that, you know, it's, it's like a you know, cooked up story. Because somebody is telling a story. But then now, since as the days are approaching, as Sister Anne was saying, that our days are approaching on this year. The same way, as the days are approaching, you know, it becomes more and more visible and more, becomes more and more real to us to see the kingdom of God. You know, we see the advancing nature of God's kingdom on this earth. If you remember, it came at the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. The invisible kingdom that God established during his ministry, as he was ministering, as he was ministering to the sick, as he was ministering the demon passes and set them release. You know, that's where we see the kingdom of God coming into the life of people. According to Matthew eleven twelve, Matthew eleven twelve, word of God says, The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing on this earth through his church. Kingdom of heaven is, you know, that's the explanation what you see for that verse. The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. Why we need to advance the kingdom of heaven forcefully? Because we have opposition. We have the darkness in this world. The kingdom of heaven need to be forcefully advanced on this earth. You know, that's the reason the church is struggling today to establish kingdom of God on this earth. It's not that easy. It's a fight between the light and dark. It is the fight between the light and darkness. And it is not that easy. As we try to do something, we see the enemies are pausing us. You know, as people try to take a step to live for God, and we see the enemies trying to pull them down. You know, they will either enemy will throw something on their way, or the enemy will divert their attention, or you know, make somebody sick at home, so they'll not be able to serve God anymore. They'll not be able to come to church. You know, various reasons. You know, because of various reasons, the people of God are not able to serve God. So the kingdom of God is advanced by force. You know, we are preaching the kingdom of God. We are encouraging people to follow. We are asking them to do various things. You know, when Christ establishes his millennial reign on this earth, we are going to see the kingdom of God visibly. We are going to see Christ ruling over the earth. And you know, all of us as children of God, we have responsibilities. We will have responsibilities there. You know, that's the time we are going to see the kingdom of God visually. Right? Now, Unlike the earthly kingdom, his kingdom is going to be an everlasting kingdom. That's what we read from Isaiah 55, the last two verses. His kingdom will not end. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. You know, what I believe is if we are a kingdom man or a kingdom woman, as kingdom or kingdom of Christ is already within us, we will experience the kingdom of God already within us. Already within us. What God promised about the thousand years reign. The millennial reign of Lord Jesus Christ. We don't see that outside. But we experience that already within us. It will be a little more clear as we go further. Now, we don't see the kingdom of God yet. But the kingdom of God is already within us. So church is not living in the thousand years reign. You know, as some people teach that in a, in a false way. Church is not yet living in the thousand years reign. But kingdom of God is already within us. We are not in the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. But we have the kingdom of God already within us. You know, that's a fact we need to understand today. 
Now, I believe what the New Testament believer experiences within him or her is the blessing of God's kingdom. The shadow of things which are yet to come is already seen in the people of God because we have God's kingdom already within us. But the days are approaching. The flavor of God's kingdom will become more and more intense in our lives. You know, that is a secret the churches are struggling to understand today. And as we approach the days, as the kingdom of heaven, our kingdom of God is about to come on our way, we see that things are becoming more and more intense in our lives. That's the reason God is asking us to pray. That's the reason God is waking up as early in the morning and asking us to kneel down and pray. That's the reason God is moving in the midst of us, which probably we have never seen at some point of time in our lives. Because we are almost at the, you know, at the day when God, Lord God Almighty is going to set up his kingdom on this earth. If the Lord comes tonight... If the Lord comes tonight, for example, you know, obviously the question is who is going to be there? Who is going to be taken, caught up with the Lord? So certainly we need to think about it. But if the Lord comes tonight, the thousand years reign is going to start exactly seven years from now. So we are not very far. We are not at all very far. Any moment the Lord can come. You know, on yesterday uh, there was a, there was a prayer request which was sent by a known, uh, you know, from an authentic uh, evangelist. His family to I hope saying that just pray these days are very important Lord's return can be any moment word of God very clearly says pray for you know the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ so that church will be getting ready church will be prepared so if the Lord comes tonight seven years from now God is going to establish the thousand years reign so church is experiencing the kingdom of God already within it and as I said according to Matthew eleven twelve. The kingdom of heaven is forced, forcefully advancing since the time of John the Baptist until the time of the church age that is even today. So what is going to happen in God's kingdom during the millennial reign of Lord Jesus Christ is what is spoken by prophet Isaiah here. In, prophet, in Isaiah chapter 55 verses 12 and 13. Let's read that again. 12 says, For you shall go out with joy. And be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorns shall come up the cypress tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name. For an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So the verses which we read. The word of God is saying. The prophet is saying. Go out with joy. Be led with peace. Mountains and hills shall break forth into singing. Trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the middle tree. It is an everlasting sign that shall be not cut off. Prophet Isaiah is speaking about the, the, the eternal kingdom which is yet to come. You know, when I study the Old Testament and New Testament... One thing which I realize, probably all of you, is the gradual progression of the move of God on this earth. I can give you one example. When man sinned against God, God planned the redemption. But that redemption did not take place all of a sudden. You all know that man sinned in the Garden of Eden and God promised the redemption. But that didn't take place 
all of a sudden. We see the gradual progression of God's move on this earth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. And he found when he created the heaven and the earth, in the beginning, we don't know how many millions of years ago, he found sin among the angelic hosts. Angelic hosts were living and he found sin among them and he decided to destroy the heaven and the earth. And what we read in the book of Genesis, the first and sec, first to sec, first, second and third chapter, was the recreation of the heaven and the earth. There was the recreation of the heaven and the earth. God found everything was imperfect. There was darkness everywhere. And then God decided, let me re recreate. And then he said, let there be, let there be, let there be. Let was obviously, let is not a word of creation. Let is a word of you know, bringing things into existence, which was already existing, which were already existing. So God was recreating them and saying that, let there be, let there be. So they all got recreated. Then he decided to destroy sin completely. And only those who were saved in the ark. They were the only one they got escaped. God tried to destroy, remove sin out of the earth. And later on he sent Moses to Pharaoh to bring people out of the bondage. They were living in bondage. More and more sin in their lives. He sent Moses. And he sent, finally he sent his own son to, to the mankind for redemption, to get the redemption for mankind. Then he called the churches to come out of darkness and to walk in light so that they may be redeemed. And Jesus is going to come back to take the church, to redeem the church. And he is going to bind Satan for the thousand years reign so that the world will be totally corruption free, totally sin free. That's what God is doing. And then comes the eternal kingdom. So it's all in the redemption plan of God. But then things were not taking place all of a sudden. Things were taking place in its own time. The reason I say, as the days are approaching, we start seeing the shadow of things which are yet to come. And God is going to renovate, as we know, God is going to renovate the earth and the heavens by fire. That's what the word of God says. In 2 Peter 3.10, word of God says in 2 Peter 3.10, um, you know, we don't need to go there. I can just quickly pass over it. Second Peter 3.10, it says, The heaven and earth, what we see, it's all going to be renovated by fire. And Revelation 21.1, Word of God talks about the new heaven and the new earth. So God is once again bringing everything back to the perfection as we see in Genesis Chapter 1, verse 1. Now here in Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 12 and 13, the prophet Isaiah is foreseeing the kind of redemption, the kind of restoration God has planned for this earth. There are four things which I want to quickly share with you from these scriptures. Number one, the restoration of joy and peace. Verse 12 says, For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. And be led out with peace. Isaiah is saying, In the thousand years reign, you shall go out with joy and be led with, with peace. When this is going to happen? It's going to happen in the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? is on this earth we are talking about. It is a kingdom of God, the thousand years reign of Lord Jesus Christ, when he is going to reign on this earth. Do we have the kingdom of God now? 
Yes, we have, but it is still within us. We don't see that. Visibly, we don't see that kingdom of God. And who destroys our peace and joy today? The devil. He destroys our peace and joy today. He's very much present in this world. But in his kingdom, during the thousand years reign, if you remember the word of God says, he will be thrown into the bottomless pit. And during the thousand years, devil will not be there on this earth. And here Isaiah is saying, you shall go out with joy and be led in peace. The joy and peace that as children of God we carry within us will be seen around us during the reign of Lord Jesus Christ. But the truth is, as the days are approaching, the joy and the peace of God must become intense in the heart of his children today. You know, that's what we, need to, we are concerned about. That's what we need to worry about. As a, children, as a child of God, do we have that joy? Do we have that peace within us? As we are approaching the kingdom of heaven on this earth, the joy and peace should become more and more intense on our hearts. You know, joy and peace were announced, if you remember, at the birth of Lord Jesus Christ. At the birth of Lord Jesus Christ, the angels appeared, as we you know, read in the scriptures, the angels appeared there, and they said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Great joy was announced at the time of the birth of Lord Jesus Christ. And then again the angel appeared and said, For you shall, uh, the angel said, There will be peace on earth too, and goodwill to men. There will be peace everywhere. But unfortunately, the men and women on this earth, they couldn't receive that peace because they rejected Lord Jesus Christ. As they rejected Lord Jesus Christ, they couldn't receive the peace that was spoken by the angel. But now Isaiah is saying, you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. In the thousand years reign, as Satan is bound, we will be able to walk in perfect joy and perfect peace because there is no sorrow there is no pain there is no satan there is no things that we need to worry about as we worry today on this earth and the perfect peace and joy which was spoken by the angels even though it was spoken at the time of the birth of lord jesus christ the first coming of lord jesus christ but then men couldn't hold it you know i used to even think about it if the entire world they would have accepted jesus christ probably the kingdom of god is right there but then since they rejected christ has to again come back to this world in order to accept you know in order to establish the millennial reign of lord jesus christ at the thousand years of reign things are going to happen you know, as we read this book of Isaiah, it really echoes Psalm 98. If you can quickly come with me to Psalm 98, to a couple of scriptures there. We see a similar tone there in Psalm 98. So we won't read from Psalm 98, verses 4 to 6. Psalm 98, verse 4 says, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in singing. Rejoice. And sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp. With the harp and the sound of a psalm. With trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar and all its fullness. The world and, all, and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills be joyfully together before the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth. With righteousness he shall judge the world. And the peoples with equity. 
So here we see the coming of the Lord. And what exactly is going to happen when he establishes his kingdom on this earth is what is spoken by the psalmist over there in Psalm 98. You know, 250 years ago, a man by name Isaac Watts, he wrote a hymn based on this Psalm 98. The name of the famous song is Joy to the World. Now, if we study the words very carefully, Mr. Watts had no intention of singing the song at the time of Christmas. He had no intention to sing the tom song as we sing today at the time of Christmas. But if you study the verses, words very carefully, it was all not about his first coming, but it is all about the millennial reign of Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go through some of the verses there in that song, as you see them in the screen. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare his room and heaven and nature sing. When the heaven and nature are going to sing during the millennial time of Lord Jesus Christ. Joy to the world, joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and flock, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. Based on Psalm 98. No more let sins and sorrow grow. It's all about the millennial reign of Lord Jesus Christ. Nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow. For as the curse is found, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. One day, God is going to restore the perfect joy and peace that's going to happen at the time, millennial reign of Lord Jesus Christ. You know, today, God has promised joy and peace to each and every one of us, but it is only for those who take the kingdom of God within them. Only they can experience. But at the millennial reign of Lord Jesus Christ, those who are there going to rule with the Lord, they are all going to experience. We'll be able to see joy and peace flowing, not only within us, but even outside in this world. Number two, Isaiah the prophet is talking about the redemption of creations. This is very, very interesting. And as I was you know, studying about this, the redemption of the creations. As we read here, the mountains, I'm back to Isaiah 55, 12. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Have you ever seen trees clapping their hands? <laughs> Not now, right? Not now, really. But God is going to redeem his creation during the millennial reign of Lord Jesus Christ. If you remember, God cursed the nature. Do you remember that? The Garden of Eden. God cursed the land. The entire nature is waiting for the coming of the Lord in order to be redeemed from the curse that came upon it. We read another scripture in Romans 8, 19 to 22. Romans 8, 19 to 22. Here, word of God says, For the earnest expectation, you can also follow that in the screen, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. 
verse 21 because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God verse 22 for we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now Another version says, the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. The entire creation is waiting for the coming of the Lord. Why? Because they need redemption too. They are cursed today. They are cursed today. They need redemption. The day when Jesus Christ binds Satan, the curse on the nature is going to be lifted off. And they are going to sing and they are going to rejoice the nature. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, God cursed the land. As we know in Genesis, let's read that scripture, Genesis 3, 17 to 18. The kind of curse that came upon the land. Genesis 3, 17 to 18. God said, Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the herb of the field. It was a curse on the land. Anything that grew from that land was cursed because of the curse that was on the land. And today, you know, you may, you may wonder why there are volcanic eruptions. You may wonder why there are earthquakes, why there are tsunamis, why there are hurricanes, why there are tornadoes, you know. Because we are living in the land which was cursed by God. Can you ever thought of it? Can you ever imagine? We are living in a land which was already cursed by God. We can't really blame God for all the things that we see today around us. The curse which was brought upon this land by us, by our forefathers, by all the generation. God has nothing to do with it. It is we who brought. But then God has already planned a redemption for us. But one day God is going to redeem his creation, the heaven and the earth. As Isaiah says, the mountains on that day and the hills, they are going to break forth into singing before the Lord. And the trees of the fields, they are going to clap hands. Number three, the restoration of the creation. We talked about the redemption of the creation. Now the restoration of the creation. Verse 13, Isaiah 55. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. Cypress tree is a tall tree that grows in severe climatic conditions. And in the word of God, in the Old Testament, cypress tree was used to make doors and panels for the temple of God. It was such an important tree, was cypress tree. And here the word of God says, instead of the thorns shall come up cypress tree. Something which was not useful today because thorns, because the thorns are growing on the ground which was cursed by God. But then when cypress, the thorns shall come up the cypress tree. Something which is useful. Something which will be used by God. And instead of the briar, briar is a kind of you know, prickly plant or sherb with the thorns everywhere. Thorns everywhere in that plant. Instead of that shall come up the middle tree. A beautiful and a fragrance giving evergreen tree with flowers ranging from pink and red and white and purple. All this color. Such a beautiful tree. Instead of the thorns. When that's going to happen? When the curse is 
lifted off from this land and that will be the day when Lord Jesus Christ comes to reign on this earth. In Genesis as we read the curse on the nature because of Adam's sin from that point that paradise became a wilderness and we no wonder we are living in that wilderness today. The roses contain thorn because of the curse. The tiger became meat eaters because of the curse. People are fighting with each other because of the curse that came upon this land. But during the millennial reign of Lord Jesus Christ, God is going to change everything. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. Some of the thorns in our lives, they are going to go away. In the millennial reign of Lord Jesus Christ. You know, th- today we, when we see around, there are things in our lives, they are like thorns. Maybe, you know, as we become older and older, there are thorns, more and more thorns in our lives. Pains. And, you know, people around us. There are a lot of things going on in our lives. They may be look- looking like thorns in our lives, but then God is going to remove everything. I remember the scripture, Isaiah 61, 3, in this context. Isaiah 61.3, God says, To console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. Instead of thorns, there comes up the middle trees. Now God is saying, instead of, God is going to give beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. And the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Exactly when it is going to happen, it's going to happen at the thousand years reign of God. But as children of God, you and I can experience that today, already today in our hearts because the kingdom of God is already within us. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. But as I said, kingdom of God is already within us. And God wants us to experience all that, that God has given, promised us in the word of God. Do we have the joy, the oil of joy, instead of mourning? Do we have the garment of praise instead of the heavy spirit? You know, today people around this world, they are not able to praise God because there is so much of heaviness is pushing them, is, is dragging them backward. Is you know, putting so much of weight on them and nailing them to the ground. They are not able to praise God. But God expects us to praise. Because God has promised us to give this garment of praise instead of spirit of heaviness. Finally, number four. He says, an everlasting sign. Isaiah 55, 13. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress tree. Instead of the briar shall come up the middle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name. For an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. What exactly God is trying to say? You know, God is establishing his name. And he's establishing a sign, an everlasting sign that shall not be removed, that shall not be cut off. Now, all that God is trying to do in the whole scenario of you know, creating this earth and you know, creating you and me, God does this, everything to bring glory to his name. You know, some of the names in the history are, you know, praised at that at some time, are glorified. Some of the names, you know, great kings on this earth. Even a student of, uh, you know, history knows about the names of the great kings and major kingdoms on this earth. Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, King Cyrus, Zy- King Darius, and all the seven great kings of Rome. You know, all these kings' names are so popular even today. And these kings, they lived and they died. 
They were alive for some point of time on this earth. But their names are still around. Have you seen that? Have you heard that? Their names are still around. But one day, the name, these names are going to be wiped away completely. And the name of King Jesus will be the only name that will be there in eternity. And here, the prophet Isaiah, he says, And it shall be to the Lord for a name. And God is establishing his name. Not only his name, he also does one more thing. God does all these things for his own pleasure. That's what the word of God says. You know, God, he did so many things. And even he is doing so many things. And he enjoys all these things. Looks like that's what the word of God says. A couple of scriptures very quickly. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Psalm 103, 21. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. God expects us to do his pleasure. He's so selfish at times. He doesn't want us to you know, take glory for our own. He wants everything for himself. You know, he's such a God. He's so selfish. And he's a jealous God at times. If you turn back to somebody else and give glory to someone else, God is behind you, punishing you. At times, God is you know, you know, rebuking you, say that, my glory, I'm not going to give to somebody else. He's so jealous. He's such a God. Psalm 149 verse 4 says, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. Psalm 147, 11. The Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him. Isaiah 53, 10. Says, even it pleased the Lord to bruise his son Jesus. What a God he is. Even it pleased the Lord to bruise his own son for your sake and my sake. You know, he's such a God. At times we can't understand, we can't understand, we struggle to understand who our God is. Still we don't know. We know very little bit of him. We need to know so much about him. But we will know when we see him. We'll know completely when we see him. God takes pleasure. And all these things God is doing because he's trying to glorify his name and he is going to, you know, he's taking pleasure. And the book of Daniel we read repeatedly four times, Daniel is saying, the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses to give. Whomever he desires, whomever he wishes, he takes the kingdom from someone and he gives the kingdom, kingdom to someone else. He does that according to his own pleasure. And Daniel had seen kingdom rising and falling. God handing over kingdom from one king to another king as he wishes as he did according to his desire. But one day, God is going to establish his kingdom and that kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. That's what Isaiah is saying. And it shall be to the Lord, the name uh, to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And that kingdom is an everlasting kingdom that's not going to die away. That's not going to disappear. Now, if you come back once again and listen to what Isaiah says. Now he says, you will go out with joy and with peace. You will be led out with peace. The mountains and mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing. Trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of thorns shall come up the cypress tree. Instead of briar shall come up the myrtle tree. It's all for a name. It's all for his glory. It's all kept as a sign, an everlasting sign, and which will never be cut off. 
And he's the he's going to be the famous one. Only he is going to be the famous one. His name is going to be lifted upon this earth at that time. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. The good news is that God has already started the restoration as the days are approaching. He is restoring his people. He is restoring the things that we lost on our lives. The joy, the peace, that sometimes, some point of time along the line, we lost those things in our lives. The ability to sing praises to God, to open up ourselves, to come and stand in front of God, we lost those things and God is restoring those things back in our lives. And God has promised the years that were wasted, God says that I will restore those years in our lives. That being said, that doesn't matter what age we are in. God is promising the years that you have lost in your lives, I am willing to restore those years. In Joel chapter 2 verse 25, we will close with this. Joel chapter 2 verse 25, word of God says, So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I send among you. What God is trying to say is, I will restore those years that you lost. You know, some of us, we lost so many years because we didn't know the Lord in the way we are supposed to know. We lost our years, maybe worshipping other gods and goddesses. We lost our years, maybe not worshipping the Lord in the way God expects us to worship. We lost those years, but God's promise to you and me today I will restore those years that were lost. So it is your and my responsibility. We should not allow the locusts to continue to eat the blessings of God. We don't want the locusts to continue to eat our days in our lives. God wants to restore us. God wants to quicken us. God wants to bring us back in his kingdom. And he wants to give the joy and the peace. And he he wants to nourish us. Because we belong to the kingdom of God. God wants us to walk as kingdom people, kingdom citizen as we live on this earth. And I believe this morning God has spoken to us. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe it's a word that will nourish our souls this morning. Shall we just close our eyes? Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swami Nathan at balan at hipm.org. God bless you.